Dear Shooter, As summer heats up, it may seem like the shooting sports get quiet. Silly shooter. If you can't find something to do in the shooting world, you might need to get out of your basement. Training and competition are in full swing. There are new products that just landed at Lucid Optics. And your intrepid host prepares for a Recondo class. Like I always say, no brain, no pain. Checking because I'm like getting the stink eye here. Go do your thing, but get good at your craft first and put your budget to things that really matter at the end of the day. You want to get good at it and make no mistake about it that's training. Let's face it if you have a size 62 waist, you are not as tactical as 5'11 might think you are, <laughs> and we've all seen it. <laughs> Welcome to the Deer Shooter Podcast. I am your host, Jason Crotto. Deer Shooter is brought to you by WyoTac, Empowerment Through Self-Reliance, and Lucid Optics, on target, under budget. Happy Thursday, and no brain, no pain. Is that because I've done this before and I'm going back for more? And you didn't suffer pain, so therefore you have no brain. Oh, I, it was, there was pain. Well, dumb shit hurts, so which one's this one going to be? I don't know. <laughs> I really don't on this one. <laughs> so we did this yesterday, and it had an equipment failure, and it didn't actually record. So this is like conversation take two? Yeah, something like that. Nice. Um I've practiced. Yeah. <laughs> That's all we need. Nobody needs brandy with practice. Right. But yeah, I mean we're kind of we're we're coming into the the middle of summer here. We're coming up on 4th of July weekend here rapidly. And it may seem like there's nothing going on in the shooting world and I I'm going to say that's because we're all out shooting. Yeah, we're all out doing. We're not talking about it. We're doing it. Right. Um I mean, we we've got a lot of stuff going on. Brandy and I just did a did a competition what a week and a half ago. Um, we've been just full tilt with the training. We've got the the PD10 courses going now with the IDS. That's going nuts. Uh, I know a big box of stuff just landed at your shop, so you've got some new product to push out. I am finally finishing product development cycles for two items. That have been in the works for a very long time. They have. And I just mounted one to my rifle today, and that P8, like I said, i got to borrow an M7 because I think that P8, that four-power prismatic, may be faster than a straight one-power one red dot. It may be, and if that is actually the case, that'll change the paradigm altogether. It will. Um, I'm curious to try that out this weekend for the carping course. So what else have you got going on? I know you, you, you got some other new products coming in. I do. We have a fully enclosed micro red dot sight, and I use the term red dot sight as an industry standard term. Um, after we bring this one to market, we won't be able to use that term anymore as casually because we're bringing out the world's first reflex sight in blue. It's no longer red or mm-hmm. green or any of those other easy colors to create. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of science behind why blue, and that's another probably topic another day, but... This one's going to be kind of epic for us. Yeah, well, and, and keep your eyes open for Personal Defense Network. I'm, I'm in the throes of doing the research and, and writing an article for them about reticle color 
And there's, <laughs> you're not kidding, there's a lot of science behind it. It makes my head hurt. Well, it, it, well people, it, I guess at the risk of running a uh, small, speaking in cursive, diatribe, um, blue is the, it's faster in a wavelength, just from the science standpoint. It's a color absorption to your eye twice as fast as red. Our eyes react to it better. It's calming. Um, it has a psychological effect that keeps us stable. Right. I'm going to have to stop you there. Nobody's going to read my article because I just listened to it here. Well, it's not. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure you're going to go you know, a little bit more science than I'm saying. First of all, you've determined that they're literate. And second of all, who's going to read your shit? You're boring. Wow. Wow. Well, that, I'll read it just. Well, you're boring, too, so that works out. (laughs) But, yes, we are assuming that the readership out there is literate, i.e. readership. Yeah. Yeah. But PDN has had the opportunity recently to take the P8 and the E7 out, both on the range, and and give it a cursory run-through. And then Mr. Pink has put that on camera. So we'll see how it turns out. I haven't seen the footage yet. Yeah. I'm curious to see that. Now... We just came off a pretty substantial competition about a week and a half ago. Uh, this is, I think, a one-of-a-kind one type of competition. It's, it's more of a field match. But this is ELR, so extreme long range for those who are unfamiliar with the term. Uh, I think our short targets were 800-plus, and our long one was beyond 2,000. Uh, this was your first, like, real true match. How did you feel about it? My shit's too heavy. <laughs> Wait. You're saying that as if you just found this out. Is this like a new rifle? Well, it it wasn't heavy. It was a new rifle. But it wasn't heavy stages like one through six. But after six, shit gets heavy. Oh, you mean as in like the proverbial heavy, not as in you can't lift it. Right. Uh, as in difficult heavy. It's heavy. I gotcha. Yeah, but you're rocking a 6.5 PRC. I wouldn't want that too terribly light. No. But I need a Sherpa. Well, I carried as much as I possibly could for you. I carried my ammo, my gun, my bag, and my bottle of water. What'd you carry for me? More ammo, snacks, my ammo. I didn't need spotting no scope, cliff bars. I'm good. Spotting scope, binoculars, my my rifle, which weighs twice what hers does. So you were just basically husband support unit. I was. Got it. I know my role. It's okay. And so, in ELR competition, this is in Glen Rock, Wyoming, mm-hmm. in the springtime. Yes. Are you nuts? Yes. I don't pick the schedule. Well, we're talking wind and rain, and north of Glen Rock is a bentonite, slimy, muddy mess. Yep. We found that out. And you went out and played in this. We did. Don't forget the fog. The fog was great. The fog was epic. With really expensive gear. Yes. And you paid to do so. Yes. All right. Had the freaking time of our lives. Pretty sure there's still mud in my action. <laughs> it might be. Wow, there's some things about you, lady, we just don't need to hear about. Yeah. <laughs> I'll add some vodka. It'll be fine. But I got to give it to Peter and Tad for, they were the match directors over there. It, it's it's the Night Force ELR Steel Challenge for those that are interested in looking at looking it up. Those guys put on a hell of a match. And I think this is like eight, nine, ten years of, of this match going on phenomenal match they had 300 shooters this year oh my goodness 300 shooters Mm -hmm. in two days in two days running 20 stages yeah they ran us through like cattle 
You'd have to. Yeah, so you don't stay with your squad. But the logistical nightmare of managing and wrangling that many cats mm-hmm. safely mm-hmm. over a course of fire, this type you're talking about, that's pretty impressive. It was impressive. And like I said, they they put on a really good match. It was really real, well run. Everybody was safe. I, I didn't hear of any major problems. No, it was it was well set up too. So even walking between stages, there's no way how they were set up that you'd be beyond the firing line unless you did so on purpose. Yeah, really well run. The ROs were great. Kudos to those guys because that's not an easy feat. Mm-mm. It's not, and that is that is a lot of shooters. Now some of them were were running as teams, so you're not. It wasn't 300 individual shooters every every time there because the teams would shoot together. So explain that one to me. So every competition that I've been to, while you may be on a squad, you might call your team, mm-hmm. you're an individual competitor. No, they were they were teams. It was uh, sometimes a male, 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 female, whatever. They shot. They had to shoot the same thing, both of them did, that we all did. But shooter, the shooter on the left side would shoot first, and then the shooter on the right side would shoot. They still had to both clear what we had to clear. They had four minutes. Because there's two of them, we had two and a half. But did they share score? Yes. Yes. So yes. they could get top lady or yeah. whatever they because were, they were different. They were in their own division. Interesting. And I and I don't know the particular details on it because we didn't shoot it that way. I think I think shooting as a team with Brandy would probably get me shot. I'd bury you alive and dance on your grave. Mm-hmm. Well, it, you guys bring up an interesting thing that's kind of bugged me for a while. In the shooting sports, the equipment has gotten to be so good, so easy to use, that it kind of removes all of the barriers and makes it a qu- great equalizer. And But every competition I go to and have seen, they still have categories separated out by gender. Why? I think Brandy's right on that. I think it's a holdover from the way you, things used to be. Just That's the way we've always done it, makes it right. I I agree with you. I I, I don't know that it's right or wrong. It, or it, I I think most people, I, I think everybody's pretty indifferent to it. But I, I will tell you, I bet there was I bet there was fifty women that were shooting in this competition. And the top one was probably not that far from the top man. Okay, but I mean, how many of those were competing for top lady category? All of them. I well, no, the girls and the teams could not. Yeah, but. but I don't think the ones that we talked to, I mean, we talked to several. Um, I don't think anybody really cared. They were out shooting, having a good time. And my point is they shouldn't care. If you're a better shooter, you're a better shooter. Right. Gender has nothing to do with it. Agreed. Totally agreed. And we see it all the time in training where the women come in and they walk out better shooters than the men. We see it all the time. It happens. I've been outshot by women in my own class. Mm-hmm. I've outshot you. Once or twice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You Times out, 10. You outshot him in yeah, a local no, match. Yeah. Yes, okay, so we're going to go there. Fine. She, yes, she outshot me, and she did it with my own gun. Yes, she did. So, <laughs> gender has nothing to do with it. It At doesn't. At the end of the day, if you're a better shooter, good on you. See, I'm just proving your point. That's all I do. I prove your point. That's usually what Brandy does, but... <laughs> <laughs> he does it a little nicer than I do. That's the difference. I do it in a positive way. All right, so we've definitely entered the spin zone. 
All right, fine. So subject change. We have been through two of these PD-10 classes now, and so far so good. Everybody is loving it. I'm getting a great response. The firearms have done well. So this is a long-awaited firearm. It was designed specifically for its intended use of a concealed carry gun. Mm-hmm. And you're running it in classes as that platform specifically. Yes. So uh, for those of us, uh, for those that you, that don't know what's going on, WyoTAC uh, teamed up with Avidity Arms. And we are offering a package, the, the PD-10, which was designed and built by Rob Pincus, the Intuitive Defensive Shooting, which was the program designed by Rob Pincus. Okay, so we, we combined those two things. We're giving the students a G-code holster, 500 rounds of ammo, putting them through the class. And, and I think we're probably some of the only ones in the country that are really putting these guns to the intended use that they were designed for. Oh, I'd say by the time the, the guns actually made production and got in the hands of folks, you are definitely on the forefront of pushing them through their paces. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we're, I mean, two classes, I think we're through 12 students now that have that have run the gun. I've been running one for a while now. Um, I have nothing but good things to say about it. It's it, The way it's designed and some of the little features that it has, it was designed as a fighting gun. Well, that says a lot if you're getting that many novice hands on it. Sometimes they're not so novice. And you're still getting the performance out of it without too many, you know, catastrophic hiccups. I mean, it's a production gun. There's going to be hiccups. Right. But if you put them through that many rounds, that many different hands, and you're still in favor of the platform, that's a rave review, really. Uh, so far, so good. Now, I, I know that they're going to be refining and they're going to be tweaking things and making Everybody the gun better. Does. It's the way this goes. But so far, knowing that we have some of the first guns off the line, uh, very, very few issues, and the ones that we've had have been pretty minor. And this is an economical firearm, too, though. It's not in the thousands of dollars range. No, I think the, I think it's retailing for around 650 Retail? Retail. Dang. Um, now, I think there's a higher-end higher model that's, that's slide cut for an optic. Although, I have yet to see... Well, okay, fine. I have a prototype on my PD-10 that was designed specifically for the PD-10. It's the only one in existence, so... Well, it, I did that because Rob wanted to see if it could be done. And he kept putting other brands on top of his guns and talking to me about them as if I could help him with them. So I just went around Rob and designed my own, and then I gave it to you, mm-hmm. which I think sticks in his craw just a little bit. A little bit. <laughs> But it, it, I actually have put that gun with the optic in his hand, and he was quite impressed. Well, good. And so far, I, I, I got the dot dialed in. It's shooting phenomenally well. Um, dot's holding zero good. Everything's working great. Uh, I can't wait to see that go into production. Me too. And I made it for the Avenity Arms, the slim profile of that slide and it's kind of it's a brand new platform all to itself mm-hmm. so i'm excited to see where that one goes because i made it for infinity arms it, it needs to go blue Oof, that can be done that can totally be done <laughs> that's my only request 
And the way you did it, and, and this was something I didn't even realize until you showed me, but I can actually put a reticle in this thing, which makes it even faster acquisition. Well, the, what I had to do to get that footprint so small is I had to change some of the internal mechanisms so that I used a programmable um, LED instead of a fiber optic emitter. Mm -hmm. And so the one you have, you have three separate options for a reticle, if you will, um, but it still fits that slimline pistol. Right. No, it's been great, and I've been playing around with the with the different emitters, I guess. And I I haven't found one that I don't like. Well, they have different purposes too. They do. Uh, depends on how you intend to run it. Most of the time, most shooters are going to run it on a straight dot for mm -hmm. a precision placement. Right. But if you're running a rack of plates, the circle dot is kind of a benefit. Yes. I, I, I kind of like the circle dot. It's To me, it seems easier to pick up. It's a little bit faster. The downside is, is it takes up the field of view. It does, but if I'm, if I'm going for that precision shot, I have that time. I mean, typically, or I'm taking that time, I should say. And on the other side of it, though, this is a really tiny optic. The field of view is restricted right out of the gate by the nature of the platform it had to go on. It is tiny, um, but it it works. Good. And I've been nothing but happy with it. You hear that, Rob Pincus? It works. Does it still look tiny in your hands? No, it's freaking enormous in my hands. looks hand. full size. That's how <laughs> the Chinese little fingers get to manipulate all those small parts. You are welcome. <laughs> I did. I did have something when I, uh, I I had to open up some of the packages that Rob has been sending to me to verify sizes, and all the sizes are in Chinese. Oh, and no. uh, and I noticed like I I, I first o I opened up and it was it was a pair of pants and they were forty, but I, th there's no way those are forty oh, waist no, no, pants. No, no. no, we were in Hong Kong sizes. So funny story. <laughs> One of the trips that I got sent over to China to go do some factory audits and, and do some business, United Airlines lost my luggage as I entered Hong Kong. How does that happen? They just drop it in the ocean or what? You know, you can't fly without your luggage, but your luggage can fly without you. Right. So I land in Hong Kong without my luggage. I'm supposed to go in country for 18 days. So here I am on Nathan Road trying to find clothes for the rest of my trip because... They're not going to find my luggage. It's gone. So you try a couple of clothing stores and you realize these folks are tiny. <laughs> and if I get to say that out loud, they're tiny. So I ended up shopping at a big and tall guy store in Hong Kong. Wow. I got to spend money and actually got clothes that fit in a big and tall guy store. So that's an ego boost. Yeah, it's so weird, but I'm like five foot nothing. So, all right. So back up for a minute. I, I, I'm going to get a little off the rails here for a second. You're telling me the Chinese are that tiny. They are tiny. So uh, are, we should be training our soldiers to fight the Chinese by bringing them out here in prairie dog hunting? It's close. It really <laughs> is close. Um, when you go to a, a festival where there is 200,000 people milling around this water park, right? And you can walk into the middle of the crowd and see 200 yards because you're taller than everybody and you're my height. These folks are tiny. That's surreal. 
It really is surreal. Um, <laughs> it, believe me, I, I look up at almost everybody I know in the U.S. But you get to Asia, um, China specifically, and five foot tall is not uncommon. Wow. Interesting. But if they're in Chinese sizes here when, when Rob's got them, that's funny. Because I guarantee you that somebody's not going to get into their clothes. And they're all going to be high water. <laughs> yeah, they're cut different. The, the inseam is a different animal. Um, I want lots and lots of photos. Lots of photos when they put their clothes on. Lots. Oh, I'm telling you, if they bought trousers, the way that they had the waist to the inseam measurement is, yeah, that's going to be funny watching them get into clothes. Well, we'll see how it goes. I know what the pattern is now when I have some in my closet. And I know they fit. Well, you, sure. But, I mean, who's the big guy of the group? That's probably going to be Derek. All right. How big's Derek? Derek's a big guy. Um, 6'2", probably 250. All right. So he's going on this Recondo class with you then. Mm-hmm. All right. And they got him a Chinese-sized wardrobe? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> It's going to look like shorts. You might as well bring in flip-flops. Well, and, and I, I looked at the shirt, and I, you know, because I pulled it all out to kind of see, you know, because Rob's asking me, he says, you know, does this look like a, a, a U.S. large? And I look at it, and on the tag, it was a 4XL. And I'm like, hmm, it might be a large. It might be a medium. Well, they had better try stuff on in advance. Because it, this is going to be ridiculous. You guys trying to run a recondo class. Yeah, it'll be fine. too late. And no one's coming to try their crap on. They've shipped it all here. They have. And, in fact, I got, I, I'm pretty sure we cleaned out the UPS guy today. Fat man in a tiny coat. <laughs> I mean, we we were, I was going to ship out some certificates from last weekend's training and and just as we were pulling out of the driveway here comes a ups guy and i'm like you know guys have been shipping in ammo and stuff that requires signatures so i better run back and make sure they don't need a signature and the ups guy just backs up to the deck and starts unloading Hmm. there was i don't know eight or nine boxes so tell me about this recondo class you're getting ready to go on because you have a mountain of gear here. I do. And how many people? I think there's six of us. Oh, good Lord. Okay, so this is one of those deals where you go out, run ops, do communications, small unit tactics, uh, secure objectives. And if this is Recondo, you're doing this live fire. Um, it, it, it's live fire. And you I, carry everything with you that you need. Now, I think there are a couple of resupply points, but for the most part, yes, we are carrying everything. Um, yeah, it's, you go, you go hide a duffel out in the woods somewhere and that's your resupply. Uh, from what I have been told by people that have been through this before, it is the old Vietnam era combination of reconnaissance and commando training. So this is no joke. It's, it's taught by special forces guys and the lead instructor for this is he's he's devious so it's it's a no screwing around kind of training from what i understand and rob pinkus has been ordering the gear yes he likes his stuff 
Mm-hmm. How much luxury items do you think are in this kit? I'm guessing none, because that was one of the things that we were told to get for ourselves. He, that's a self-correcting problem, yes. to quote Rob Pincus. Yes. This will be interesting. I am looking forward to hearing you when you come back off the hill <laughs> and we have that podcast, because this sounds like a slow-motion dumpster fire in the making. I think it'll be all right. Now, I know there's there's three of us on this that I know for sure have been through something similar to this before. A couple of guys have done it for real. So I've got that going for me. Watch what they do. But they've never done it in that tight of clothing. (laughs) (laughs) And from what I understand, you guys will be on Union Pass, so have they done it at 10,000 feet? I don't know. Um, and, and I don't know if we're possible snow. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I we were we were discussing that before that. I don't know if we're even going to be able to get there because of the snow that we've had this year. We may not be able to train in that environment. And their camo's going to stick out like a sore thumb because everything's white. Well, that's an easy fix. I do know that up on the the Loop Road in the Wind Rivers that it the the area is fairly dry. There are still snow drifts around. Um, the road's not completely open across the top yet, but if Union passes in the indicator, it'll be somewhat open. Yesterday, they got two inches of snow on Union Pass. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it's still actively getting weather from the winter. Well, I'm wondering how our down south guys are going to handle uh, our evenings and our nights. They're, they were talking about, you know, they asked me what, what the temperatures look like. I said, well, you know, it's July, so you're probably looking somewhere between 95 and 105 during the day, 40 at night. I mean, we're still kind of high desert where we're at. That changes at 10,000 feet, though. It changes a lot. You're overnighting up there. You're going to see temperatures in the 40s. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Possibly 30s and moisture. They're still getting it. I mean, they rain today. That's what I'm expecting. So I figure, and I, and I don't expect us to, like, actually get to sleep. It's going to be take a couple-hour nap here and there on the move. So I'm taking a ground cloth and my puppy coat. That'll work just fine. No, I'm interested to hear you coming to come off it. It's going to be a, a heck of a story to tell, for sure. <laughs> It'll be fun. Now, I just based on the sheer volume of, a, of boxes that I have sitting in my office right now. Brandy's thinking we're going to storm Normandy. You have a lot of gear, for sure. Unless it's, you know, truly packed stupidly. It, well, it's possible. A lot of it's Amazon. Yeah. So, interesting. You should probably start breaking into that kit and start making duffel bags for these guys because this is going to be a thing. Not my monkey. Rob Pincus is coming up to sort yep. out gear. It's not my mail. Oh, Robbie's coming. When is that happening? I don't know. I believe possibly next week. Oh, wow. All I right. have not talked to him about it, but he did say he wanted to come up early. So we'll see how that goes. But, yeah, no, I'm I'm looking forward to that. I'm, I'm actually looking forward to being a student for a change. That'll be a switch. Um, I've got this coming up, and then I also have Rob coming in August to teach a couple of more advanced pistol classes, and I'm going to get to be a student in those. Yeah, I've supported your training efforts in the past couple weeks on a couple different classes that you've had, and I have to tell you, 
it's fun watching the students and supporting the class and being, you know, not the guy running it. But it was also a lot of fun because I got to shoot a little bit. I mean, I didn't run the whole course because I was helping you on the line. But actually getting some trigger time, I don't do that when I go out like I should. Mm-mm. I don't run structured drills like I should when I go out. Um, I do work on some of the things that I suck at when I go out because I'd much rather suck at the range by myself than in public. <laughs> but I don't do structured drills like that. And it was really nice to be able to step on the line and work within the commands and, and negotiate the drill because I don't ever do that for myself. Right. Well, it was like, oh, be a fireman instructor. You get to go hang out on ranges and shoot all the time. No, you don't. I'm going to tell you guys right now, anybody that wants to be an instructor, your shooting is going to suffer badly. Well, when I was a fishing guide, I thought, well, cool, I'll be on the water a lot. I'll get to fish a little. No. You tie knots and you row the boat. Yep. You don't get to fish. Nope. So be careful what you get into if it's one of your passions because it may ruin your passion. Right. Now, something that we've kind of come up with over the last, I'd say we, we've been using this for about a year now. Um, we've had students come into class, and th- one of the biggest things that we see is our students cannot get out of their own head. Mm-hmm. And they're making mistakes because they're overthinking it. They're just, they're, they're too in the moment. They can't relax. So we have them sing. <laughs> the old trick I learned a long, long time ago. The first girl was singing Baby Shark. I found that interesting. Hey, it worked. She cut her time in half and improved her accuracy by almost triple. Yeah, it, it was impressive. And and she did this, stepped away from the line and looked at us and went, how did you do that? It's rhythm. It's cadence. You're not thinking about all the little minutiae that you need to execute that shot. You're shooting, finally uncluttered in a mindset. Mm-hmm. So if you're ever in a mall shooting situation and you find that people are singing and shooting, they have taken Jason's class. <laughs> now, that gets a little creepy. We had a, a guy in, and one of his favorite songs was Jesus Loves Me. And to watch him run the chaos drill singing Jesus Loves Me was phenomenal to watch because his time wasn't quite in half, but it was substantially improved. Yeah. And he didn't drop one out of the zone not once no ran it clean and improved his time by 30 percent but if you step away and you looked at it kind of out of context that was kind of (laughs) creepy it wasn't even stepped back and went oh i better not do that in public (laughs) that was a uh that was a really fun crew that we had in that class um and i i'm i'm not gonna say who just yet because there's some pretty big things coming that we're doing with that particular group of people. That'll all come out in time. Mm-hmm. But uh, just a little forewarning for our dear shooter listeners, there are some big, big, big things coming from WyoTAC. Correct. Um, not something I expected to happen in my first six months of doing this full-time. So doing this full-time, you stepped away from a fairly stable, moderately lucrative job and took on one of your passions recently. It has become a full-time gig. How do you find working from home? Um, I don't really have a problem with it, but 
I was smart enough. I set up my office in a part of the house that we don't use really often for our day-to-day. So when I go upstairs into my office, I am at work, and that's how it feels. It's a separate discipline. Most folks don't understand how difficult it is to be at home and be at work at the same time. There's always a project to do. There's always somebody to talk to that was going to have something else on their mind that you need to take care of. Mm -hmm. Um, But working from home takes a special discipline. It does. Um, Now, you also do it in the middle of Wyoming, bordering on the middle of nowhere. Yes. Your communication methods are testing and trying at times. Uh, Not so much anymore. I mean, I swapped over. We run Starlink for our Internet, so I haven't had an issue since then. All right, so not much of a blip that way. Um, The only only problem that I've I've seemed to run into, really, is for whatever reason, when I'm at home, I cannot download my voicemails. So anybody trying to contact me, text or email, don't leave a voicemail because I won't get it for four days. And the other training you need to do for yourself, then, is answer your phone. I can't answer it if it doesn't ring. Well, then that's different than just answering your voicemails. I mean, if it doesn't ring, you can't answer your phone at all. Right. Or if he's on a call already. So back to not having a blip in communication methods. Yes, you are. So you need to switch your voicemail to what Jason, too, has. It says email is often better. Yeah. Hey, I'm number one. Don't label me number two. You know better. Depends on the day. You're point five. Another oh, short joke wow. right out of the gate. <laughs> Keeps you fun-sized. I'm fun-sized. I agree with that. So we were we were incorrect when we when we gave the waitress our party number at lunch today. It should have been, what, 3.52? Maybe. <laughs> you know, big guys bleed, too. <laughs> Just not as much. Oh, they bleed more. Oh, really? Yeah. Think about the leverage I've got and where I'm going to actually stab. Yeah, that's true. I did. I did do a knife course several years ago, and I. I would, My partner was a an attorney, and I think she was maybe five foot. I didn't walk right for about a week. It's accessible. Mm-hmm. That, and I'm. I'm pretty sure she had like a vendetta. Well, if you'd use your concealed carry in your tidy whities it wouldn't be so bad. Oh, God, back to this. It's not a pocket. That That is not a pocket. Just saying. Okay, fine. All right, if you want to consider it a pocket, you can stick your hand in mine any time. Yeah, the lint and gum I'd find in there. <laughs> Gross. <laughs> you too. <laughs> so one of the things I noticed... Um, to bring us back to guns. Now, I noticed you made some upgrades to your MLX. I did. Now, I know this is still the Gen 1, but Not it does Technically, it's a Generation 2. Okay, yep. fine. Uh, all right, so what are you calling the new one that you're working on, then? Is that a Gen 3? Is that Mark 2? It'll have a whole bunch of other letters that we don't know about yet. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. The... the 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 new MLX that'll be coming out towards the fall um, is in the same vein. It's just a much higher magnification range, mm-hmm. um, larger objective, yep. larger main tube, more travel, illuminated in blue. I mean, it's going to mm-hmm. have pretty much all the bells and whistles. Everything that I've been begging for. Correct. Okay, but I did notice one of the things that you changed on. Let's okay, the Gen Two MLX, the one that's currently available. 
Uh, it no longer has the toolless turrets. Correct. And so, thank you so much for that. Interesting you say that. Is is back in the day when the original MLX was designed, um, I sat down with James Gilliland and said, okay, we're going to develop an optic from the ground up. What do you want? And he ran down a laundry list of features that it had to have for it to be viable in the first focal plane PRS game. Mm-hmm. Um, the balance of magnification range, he didn't see any need for anything over 18. And 4.5 to 18 was where we landed. Um, I didn't see anything wrong with that. No, it's a good magnification range because, I mean, resolution matters at the end yeah. of the day. I mean, typically, I my, my scopes live on somewhere between 10 and 14. Right, and we gave it generous field of view, mm-hmm. a very stable eye box, and he asked for toolless, resettable turrets. So we gave them to him. And in having most folks run the MLX um, in a competition or in, in some situation where there's some haste, they would grab onto the turret, lift it to engage the adjustment, and in their hurry, lift it too far, disengage the spindle, not make an actual correction, press it down, lock it, and then shoot and miss. Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't anything mechanically wrong or design-driven wrong, but the way the operators use it, it just didn't make functional sense. So we've gone a step backwards to where we've always been with a lift, make your adjustment, press down to lock, simple turret. Um, A lot of guys don't even press them down to lock until they're done with the stage because they're accessing the adjustments. But you can't slip the scales that way. You actually have to take a torque screw out and re-index the turret. That makes me happy. Um, The new one that's going to come out will have a rev limiter. Um, It's a device that I can't say the... proper term for it because it's trademarked by somebody else but um it's a different mechanism we got around that but it keeps it from going past your zero if you will mm-hmm. um so you don't have to think about setting it back you turn it till it stops and you're home right is there is there a way to set that to where you can go a, maybe a little past yes because that's something I, you know the ones that you know stop you right there there are situations, I've been to some schools where they want you to go past and hold under and do some other things, which I find kind of counterintuitive and a little bit ridiculous at times. I get what they're trying to do, but I think with current technology and current optics, it doesn't make sense to do that anymore. We didn't think it made sense either. That's why we put a 5 mil hold under in the reticle. Right. And it works. Works just fine. Works fine. But if you're not dialing every shot, you shouldn't need it. We've addressed this a couple times. Um, if it's the first focal plane, the increments never change, and the reticle's metered right, there's a whole lot of information and a lot of distance you can manage without touching a turret. ELR, the competition we were just at, Brandy and I, neither one of us dialed. And we were there was guys in our squads that could not wrap their head around it. Like, it bugged them. It, it bothered them bad that we weren't dialing anything. And these guys were dialing for wind. Oh, my God. For wind. For wind. By the time you reach up and touch your turret, the wind's changed. Right. By the time you actually dial it, it may be, if you're lucky, changed back. And then you wasted your time. Well, and it changes throughout the path because we are in a canyon. So it's one way here, one way there. 
Um, the kestrels were also ridiculous because it tells you you're windy right here. But at 2,000 yards, that's all different. It is totally all different. And if you're shooting at 2,000 yards, the projectile path, the wind that you can see on vegetation in the target site is not the same wind you sent the projectile into. No, you're 200 feet higher. Correct. You and can't, that was you can't call and compensate that wind other than sending a spoiler and seeing where it went. Right. Well, and there's a lot of frustration too because being being how this was Brandy's first real competition, it, we were we were allowed to give her some corrections now and then. And of course, every time they would try and give you a correction, it was in mills. Well, there was a problem with that. Yeah, I shoot minutes, y'all. Right. Times four, you'll be fine. It is, but it's still frustrating when somebody's behind you calling numbers and you're trying to do math in your head. You know why the military went to and adopted mills for a small arms fire? Yeah, so their forward observers could talk to their artillery. It's a language barrier. Mm -hmm. It has nothing to do with precision. It doesn't have anything to do with usability. One's not better over the other. No. It's a communication method. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, they were not speaking in MOA. So there was some frustration there. Although I will say, and I got to give props to Brandy because the the long target, and granted, she did miss. However, on a single shot, she got she got because she timed out, but she did get a shot off on the twenty one fifty target, and because she was shooting second focal plane, she could not get this thing in the in the scope. She had to actually find a point on the hill. Make an educated guess, and then guess the wind. And in her one shot, she was dead, dead on for elevation, and she missed about four inches off the left side of this plate. How big was this target? Forty inch. So two mil, two minute. Two minutes. Yeah. Tiny. Tiny. That's that, a good shot, lady. I mean, that's that's a two inch target at a hundred yards. That's a good shot. And she didn't even have it in the optic. It's impressive. Well done. I almost had it. Oh, I wanted I would have with the second shot, but I, when I I did that quickly, I chose my spot quickly because when I went to move to 2150, the RO goes 7 seconds left. So I picked my spot and I sent one because I had 7 seconds. Yeah. It just had to be out of the gun to still count. Cuz that's almost a 4 second flight path. It was the the timer started going off about halfway to the target. Jeez. Good shot. Very impressive on a brand new gun that at that point she'd maybe put 100 rounds through. 30. Oh, you put a few in before we left. Oh, yeah, 30 rounds before we left. And then whatever I shot at the match. Yeah, so you you had probably, you were pushing probably 100 rounds. Maybe yeah. not quite. Because I know you and I shot 104 rounds that day. Uh, 13 stages in one day. That's a lot. Um, especially when you had squads of 13 to 14 people. Well, and we had to hoof it because the landowner didn't want four-wheelers and whatnot all over the land, so you walked it. So this ELR match that you guys went to open to anybody? It is. Um, but if it's something that you want to get into, you need to find them on social media. And I know they're on Facebook. It's the Night Force ELR Steel Challenge. That's what you're looking for. Get on there and pay attention because when they put the, the slots up to, to be able to get in on this, and you got to go through practice score, but when they announce sign-ups, 
Uh, every position was filled, I think, within 36 hours. That's fast. Uh, ridiculously fast. Um, and actually, the only reason that Brandy was even, even able to go was because somebody uh, had a scheduling conflict and had to drop out. So you bought someone else's slot to get in. Yes. Interesting. Um, so, again, open to anybody. Mm-hmm. Um, open to spectators. Yes. And we did see quite a few of those. Um, generally, it was spouses or kids, you know. Uh, but there was there was a few people there that specifically go to these matches and watch. Interesting. All right. Now, so if you don't hear us talking about the shooting sports, it's because we're out doing it. And take a minute, get online, look at what's in your area, and find it. You can get engaged and can do do this. You don't need great gobs of specialized equipment to get started. Just get in there and do it. Absolutely. Couldn't have said it better myself, and I am going to go do it, and I'm probably going to end up blaming the gun. 